Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that asks the question, where do you get the biggest bang for your buck? I am on the Isle of Wight for once. Those of you who listen to the show will know about this, that I'm usually in the Midlands. But this week, as it happens roughly about once a month, I, my name is Tosin, I'm on the Isle of Wight. And with me here is... I'm Sean. Yes, this is Sean. And also, Sharon is not quite here yet. So Sharon will be... <laughs> so we hope that she's going to be busting in through the doors and like, you know, joining us very soon. But we are once again recording in the cinema where we all first met. And this is a cinema that is, at the moment, Sean, you can feel it getting closer. We are living, it, it's, we are living about, I don't know what, like five hours away, five from, yeah. away from a world in which Avengers Endgame is released. That's right. I've, I have actually got my ticket. I've got my ticket. And it's tonight. It's tonight. Yeah, it's, you're, going for the, you're going for the midnight uh, show. See, see how we feel. See how we feel. We'll, we'll see. It might, be, it might be a bit later than all of our bedtimes. Yeah. It might be a little too late after all our bedtimes. But yeah, we're going to, going to go see that. And um, yes, it's going to be out. Some horrible professional critics have already seen the film. <laughs> really? I know. Yeah. They've already seen the film. And so obviously... They get to see it the day before we, and they start releasing all the, 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 what's the, the, what's the thing critiques. we do on this show? Critiques, reviews. reviews. That's it. What we do on this show, reviews. They start releasing all the reviews on this show. And this theater, I mean, this cinema, which at the moment is quite sleepy. You'd say it's quite sleepy. They are expecting it to be mad tonight. I mean, it's, I remember I was here for the Infinity War midnight screening. And that was just crazy. It was kind of like people everywhere. You're like, I never knew this cinema could be like this. And I know that they're already girding their loins. They're expecting madness. And by the time we finish recording this, the, lit, the beginnings of that madness might begin to trickle into the cinema. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think we're going to see a couple of different outfits, a couple of different people in cosplay. Uh, it's, it's, it's going to be good. But I, I've been avoiding pretty much everything about this film. All right, so you haven't seen any of the, the reviews then? No, I've, I haven't seen any of the oh, reviews. I, I try not to before yeah. I see a movie. I don't want to see any reviews. I don't want to see any reviews. I was telling you yesterday how I blocked, I blocked all these words on Twitter. I've I blocked Avengers on Twitter. I blocked Endgame okay. on Twitter. <laughs> I blocked Iron Man. I blocked Captain. I don't want to hear anything that has any of these people in it on Twitter. In fact, that uh, I might just switch off my phone. I might say because I'm not seeing it until midday tomorrow, and I might just switch off my phone. So. <laughs> Good Lord, but, but uh, on the radio earlier today, I heard people talking and they were saying a little bit about, oh yeah, Avengers Endgame, expect to be the biggest film of the year, all that kind of stuff, but it is going to be massive. It's going to be massive, I think. It, it yeah. is going to be absolutely Will massive. Will it be Avatar, do you think? I don't know. No, I don't know. Either. I don't know. I, I, think, I think because Avatar was a very singular thing, and I think, there, because essentially there's some people who I think are dead set against Marvel, and they said against anything Avengers, and they are just going. They're they're sort of like party line, just to say it's going to be rubbish. It's going to be rubbish. So I think no matter what happens, they're going to they're going to just sort of sit back and go, no, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be disappointment, good. Disappointment. Disappointment. Yeah, yeah. They're going to say that even without seeing the film, they're going to sit back and they're going to say that. And I think also with this, I think there there are some things in this film that might be decisive, divisive, because I mean, there's no way around it. 
Um, this is one of the few times where, you know, usually if you have a whole bunch of characters and nobody dies, you're like, oh, oh that was rubbish. I mean, yeah, yeah. Game of Thrones is coming to an end this year. And if everybody makes it to the end, people are going to be like, well, that was rubbish. That was a bit of a cop out. <laughs> and this is, and, but with Avengers, it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, some people have, there needs to be consequences. That there does. needs to be actual consequences for this story to have any credibility. But at the same time, you're like, but I don't want any of them to go. <laughs> it's like, I don't want any of them to go anywhere. I want, I want them to stay around. I want them to continue being my friends. So we'll see. I'm, I'm not expecting, essentially, I've more, I've more or less told myself, uh, it's probably going to be a disappointment mm -hmm. because I think if I start getting excited and I hype it up too much in my head, I wouldn't even enjoy watching no, it. that's it, because <laughs> you'll you be able to find stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. I wouldn't even... I'm, I'm pretty much, it's really funny because I'm like this. I mean... With Miss Marvel, I was oh, Captain Marvel, so yeah. I don't know why I call her Miss Marvel. But yeah, I, know, I, I, it, it, I, I think you're just showing your age a little yeah, bit because she was originally called Miss Marvels in the comics, yeah. Um, and I was really, really looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. And it turned out to be a bit of a disappointment for me. Yeah. So I just think that I'm, I'm pretty nonchalant about this one. I've got no expectations. Yeah. So Because otherwise I'd be... I mean, I did the same thing with um, Batman vs Superman yeah. during the Justice. I was like... So up for it, I was like, yeah, this is like, man, the biggest letdown. So, so this is why I'm not sure whether I'm going to see it tonight or not. It just depends how I feel. I mean, I probably will. Uh, yeah, but I, I think, okay, so obviously we talk about Netflix versus cinema on this yeah. thing, and a, a thing that keeps coming up is the shared experience of going to the cinema and that how big a thing it's. And I think, I think Avengers and I think Marvel are pretty. May, okay, Star Wars still has a little bit of it, but when you go in there and you have a packed cinema and there's just this buzz yeah, in the room buzz, yeah. and there's all these people going like, oh my God, oh my God, what's going to happen, what's going to happen? That, I think, is what is missing and what you don't get if you're sat at home on your yeah, own. It's true, very true. Yeah, so, but the, the number of things that will give you that, that buzz, that will give you that kind of reaction are dwindling and are going lower and lower and lower. Yeah. So it's, I mean, you get Avengers, Star Wars, maybe, but I'm not so sure. For instance, episode nine this year, I'm not that bothered. No, I'm not that bothered. So I, so I think you have that shared thing of, oh, we're going to watch this thing, and it's going to be like, oh, oh my God, no. I'm expecting there to be a couple of what moments in this. So I, I, think, I think that's what you can get with cinema, and I think, but you don't really get it with much else no. besides, um, besides, Marvel or the big Marvel movies I think really the Avengers movies you don't really get them until with that so for that I'm happy for that Kevin Feige and all the Marvel people well done for keeping cinema alive alright we will be talking about that next week Yes, we after, will. after we've all seen it I think we'll, we'll let and all of you who listen to this I mean hopefully you'll actually go away you'll go get a chance to actually go watch this film and then when we're talking about it you can all sort of like be like, oh yeah yeah and let us know what your thoughts are as well what you liked and what you didn't and thank you for everybody who's been listening to the podcast and we've been seeing the numbers go up and all that kind of stuff yeah. and it's pretty good tell a friend tell a friend if you think we're talking okay if, it, if you don't think we're talking rubbish if you think we're talking rubbish just keep it to yourself and enjoy our rubbish <laughs> but so this week we have a couple of films who have managed to sneak into the cinemas before avengers endgame because I, don't, I haven't looked at the, re the release schedule, but I don't think anybody is stupid enough to be released this week. 
<laughs> I don't think anybody's stupid enough to do it. You know what? I'm going to make a nice little independent movie and I'm going to release it in the same week as Avengers Endgame. I don't think anybody is. So, but there's a couple of films that have been released in the week beforehand. And you're going to kick us off with a film that's in cinemas at the moment. And that's a film called Red Joan. Red Joan, yeah. Red Joan, yeah. Star starring the Dame. The Dame, Judy. Yeah. The James Doody Dench. James Doody. James Doody. Sorry, yeah. Judy. Judy yeah. Dench. Yeah, Dame Judy. Yeah. So, um, so, okay, you've seen this. You're I've the only this, one yeah. of us who's seen this. Yes. So tell us, what's it about? What did you think? Okay, basically, this film's about, um, it starts off with this, this probably 80-year-old woman who yeah. gets arrested on suspicion of passing on spying basically and mm -hmm. um, then so she gets taken to MI5 and she's interviewed and while she's been interviewed she thinks back to all the times like when she before the war and how she got involved with you know there was a lot of in universities at that time there was a lot of communist yeah uh, you know and how she got involved and so it's pretty much like that you keep it keeps flashing between She's not in it a great deal, actually. She's just, but it's just moments where they ask her questions, and then she thinks back, like first love, and because obviously she's. It's, I would say it's a bit of a love story because it's a relationship. You know, she gets in a relationship with, the, shall we say, a member of the, you know, left-wing communist yeah, yeah, yeah. party. Yeah. So, but what's really good about this, you never know, was, you know, you know, was was it for love or was it for, for different reasons? That, yeah. That what actually happened. So I won't I won't give away any spoilers there. So yeah, so you've got this this things told in flashbacks, and obviously goes through the war, and then post-war with you know the secrets and post-Cold War, yeah, post-Cold War, yeah, yeah. and um, not post-Cold War, no, post-war, and it's, it is the Cold War, and you know obviously some people want to share the technology of the atomic bomb with the Russians. Also, also post-World War Two. Post-World War Two. Okay, cool, gotcha, yeah. So you know. And so, obviously, she gets a job at one of these places that is working on that. So, you know. Well, like a government's high top government secret. Yeah. high top secret facility talking about. You. So, yeah, so that's, that's, that's basically the story. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this. It's not the sort of movie I would normally go out of my way to see, <laughs> but I thought, well, I need to see something. And I just thought, oh, I'll watch Red Joan. And it was a really, really good movie. I really, really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't have thought I would because there's a lot of lot of relationships, a lot of lovey-dovey relationships and all that. But it's it's quite good, and it, and it also makes you think. Think you think, is, did she? You know, all the time you think, did she? Did she not? Yeah. You know what? And so things sort of builds up, and you're thinking, oh yeah, just because maybe she's she was falling in love with a with a communist, you know, someone who was a member of the communist party. Like, yeah. Doesn't that make her culpable? You know, with with certain things. So yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a good fun. Good fun film. I, uh, much better than I thought it was going to be. Well, yeah. actually, I had no expectations, so I couldn't say it was much better than I thought it was going to be because it was. It just was. It was a romance, really. Absolutely yeah. love story. You, you see, now, as you're speaking, you have this sort of slightly almost embarrassed look on your face <laughs> about it's like, you're like you're almost as if you're going, it was a romance and I liked it. <laughs> it's yeah, a, oh, there you go. Yeah, okay, no, no, so, no, no, I mean, I'm allowed, you know, there's some way. Yeah, to yeah you're allowed. Really and, and I mean, I really liked the period. I think it had a good period feel to it when, with the flashbacks. It had a nice, nice, you know, felt. Yeah. You know, where they have like blackboards and chalk and things, you know, like, and, and doing all the equations and, and stuff. And nobody and, has a mobile phone. Yeah, nobody has a mobile, mobile phone or anything like that. And the fashion's really, really good. I forget who the actress is who plays. The younger, the younger she, uh, her name's Sophie Cookson. Sophie Cookson, but she, 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 was in the, she was in the Kingsman movies. Oh, Kingsman movies, yeah. Yeah, yeah I really like her. 
she was she was good in this. She was she played played the part really well. Like, yep. and she played it like you could imagine Judy Dent playing it, which is quite good when someone plays it. You know, I often think it's like like when Solo came out. Yes. You know, yeah. the guy who played Solo. Yeah. I thought he was quite good actually as a, yeah. as, a as a young Solo. Yeah. And so, you know, when when, when they play the the young, these other actors play the younger selves. Yeah. I think they must study. Like, so they probably study people, how, you know. Well, uh, it is a pretty, pretty tall order if they say, huh, yeah, we want you to play a role. You're going to be a young Judy Dench. You're like, ah, no pressure. <laughs> you can be like, yeah, yeah, no, okay, no pressure. Yeah, just be a young Judy Dench. Why not? Easy. Um, so, okay, so she, she does quite well in that. She does well, yeah, she does really well. And, and as I say, for the film, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot, actually, more than... Did you do any research about the original story? No, not at all. <laughs> I did nothing. I, I, I just thought. I mean, the thing is, I was I was over at some relatives the weekend, and they tend to, shall we say, like certain evenings, they tend to watch some of the regular BBC. <laughs> do you know what I mean? All that sort uh, of I, what I call. So, and and I, I saw this. Are, are you time. having a go at line of duty here? Yeah. Well, maybe not line of duty, but, but certain things, you know, sh should we say? And I just thought, well, and I just happened to see, because I got the Cine World card. The, yep, yep, they, yep. They got the Cine World in Paul. So I looked, and, and originally I thought, a film we'll talk about later, I thought, wow, I need to see that because that is not coming to the other Yeah. So, so I went to see that. And then I thought, I mean, I'm not a major snooker fan as well. So yeah. it was all like, oh, snooker, 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 snooker. And I said, oh, oh, everybody was watching snooker at home. I thought, I thought, oh, there's, there's a film on that I really, really want to see. And um, I know they were like, everybody was cool with it, so I just went and watched it. Like, Joe. All right. The only thing I knew about it was like a spy thing, and I, and I thought it was going to be. It was, I think it surprised me in the fact that I thought it was going to be like a trial movie. Do you know what I mean? It was oh, be yeah. Jimmy yeah. Dench in the dock. You in, know, a, in a dock, and they're going to be like, why did you do this? Yeah, why did you yeah, do that? Blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't like that at all. So, you know, it was, a, it was a nice surprise. Oh, cool. So how many stars would you give Red Joan? Uh, I'd give Red Joan, a, I mean, I wouldn't say it was like a knockout masterpiece. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really, really enjoyed it. So I think I've got to give a solid three stars for that. Solid cool. three stars. Solid three. Solid three stars for Red Joan. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. Sean, get in touch with his romantic side. Because <laughs> Dame Judy has done that. She's put she's you in touch with your romantic Judy side. In touch. <laughs> Indeed, she has. All right, cool. And so now we're going to go over to the Netflix side of things. Or as increasingly we're describing is Netflix and Friends. Netflix because and friends, Netflix yeah. is not the only streaming thing. It's not the only home entertainment thing that you can have. And I have one that I caught. And this is, and I think one of the things that we talk about, you spoke about films that don't come to the island. Like yeah. there might be a film that you might want to see, but it's not going to make it to every single cinema. And the, then you miss it and... That I think this is where Netflix comes into its own because it catches all these little things or things at home. And this one was, it wasn't on Netflix, it was on Sky Cinema. And it's a film called Briggs B. Bear. Briggs B. Bear. Briggs B. Bear. And it's a film that I saw in the cinemas when it came out. And I thought, that looks interesting. I want to go have a look at that. But, it, you know, couldn't find it at the cinema. If it was in the cinema, it was like poof, and it disappeared. And so finally, actually got a chance to watch it. Now, and this is a film. It stars Mark Hamill. Uh, Mark Hamill of Luke Skywalker mm -hmm. fame and all that kind of stuff. And in it, it starts off, the film kicks off, and you just see this boy 
and he's sitting down and you see his room and you can see that he's almost kind of like you know the kind of kid that doesn't leave his room that often yeah, yeah, yeah. you can see he doesn't leave his room that often and he's just watching this tv show and everything like that and you can see that he's he's watching it going oh my god that's what Briggs Bear does and is it it's kind of like one of these kids tv shows like you know Barney the Barney the purple dinosaur kind of like imagine that kind of show only that the character is called Briggs Bear and he watches this whole thing and then you see that he has all the seasons like 26 seasons of this show on VHS tapes <laughs> just packed up to the ceiling of his room and all that and he's going down there and he's making all these notes and all that and he's like obsessed with this show and he sits down in front of a webcam and he's saying hey guys all you other Briggs people out there I just figured this out this is what we need to do and he's going to have to find this thing and essentially think about the kind of people who watch a game see, watch an episode of Game of Thrones and immediately go online and say guys this is what's going to happen I reckon they're there I reckon this person is going to be on the Iron Throne he does that for this kid's show called Briggs B. Beth how old, how old is he? He is in his 20s, he's, 20s about, he's about 25 or something uh -huh. like that. Then he, he goes and he meets his parents and you can see, and he's doing like this presentation for his parents, telling them, telling them, oh, I figured it out, Brixby's going to do this, he's going to find this thing. And, and his parents are kind of like, son, we, we just figured that you're going to use your brain for other things <laughs> and all that. And you're gonna, you could apply your things to like maths or physics. And he's like, no, Brixby, Brixby's what I love. And it's, it's really, really weird because his parents are played by Mark Hamill. And I, oof, sorry, I don't know the, I don't know the actress's name. And, um, and they do this weird thing, like they, they sort of say something that's a bit like a prayer before they eat their dinner and they're like, yeah, and so help us all. And then they stand up and then person one shakes hands with person three, then shakes hands with person two, then person two and person three shake hands and you're just kind of like, this is weird. Because I started watching this film and I actually sort of stopped and I, I, I said, okay, no, I've got to show this to my wife. And I showed her like the first 10 minutes and she was just kind of like, what the? What's, what's going on? Why are these people so weird? And then his dad comes to him and his dad is like, son, do you want to go to the pier? And then he has to, he climbs up this ladder, but before he goes out of this hatch, he presses like this keypad into this thing, opens up the keypad, and then he climbs up into this sort of like biodome area. Oh, wow. And yeah, he climbs up into this sort of biodome area, and like you just have this biodome on there. And, it, and underneath the biodome, you have all these guys just sort of like, and they're looking out, and you can see all these sort of fireflies and stuff but it's fake. Everything out there is fake. <laughs> and you're like, what is going on? And you, you have, the, it turns out that one day while he's out there on the roof, he just sees his police cars, like he's told he can't go outside. And if you go outside, you have to put on like a mask and everything like that. Then he has, also he sees like these sort of like flashing lights come to the house. Then the FBI break into the house and they grab his parents and they shove him to the ground and they handcuff his parents and they take him out. And he's kind of like, no, no, you've got to give me a mask. The, the air is poisonous, it's poisonous. And it turns out that he has never left that house in 25 years. Wow. He hasn't left the house in 25 years. And the police tell him that he's actually, he was abducted as a baby and his parents are not his real parents. Intriguing. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Mate. Yeah, I, I think it's, and this is, in a way, I almost don't want to say anything about this film, but to, but to move the story forward, you have to tell people this. And it turns out that this show that he's obsessed with is not a real TV show. It's like the only TV show he's ever watched. And it turns out that his fake dad, played by Mark Hamill, made this show for him. <laughs> so, so he went and he created this whole TV show for him. So he's been watching this thing, thinking that everybody else in the world has done it. And... He, no one else has worked. So they find his original parents who have been looking for him for 25 years. He gets reunited with them, although he's never known them. So he has this whole weird thing where like, even people ask him and they're like, they're like, oh, what does it feel about the people who kidnapped you? He's like, 
yeah, yeah, I guess they kidnapped me. I guess that was a pretty bad, but they're still pretty cool. <laughs> because as far as he knows, they're his parents. And yeah, as far as he knows, they're his parents and all that kind of stuff. And then it's all about this him about him trying to get back into society and then trying to connect with things and there's a scene where he goes to the cinema for the first time and he's watching a film that is obviously a grip of the mighty ducks and he's watching it and he's kind of going oh wow are there other films is there any other film do other people make films <laughs> and he eventually decides uh, or he eventually decides that what he wants to do to get back into society is like he because the tv show that he watched brigsby bear never got finished obviously because because the FBI broke in and everything. So the TV show never got finished. And he decides that what he wants to do is that he wants to finish it. He wants to make a Brigsby Bear movie to finish the whole thing off. And, it, and people think he's where his, his new family, they don't know how to deal with him. He has a younger sister who's kind of like, doesn't know. So she takes him out to parties and all sorts of things happens. He has, he has encounters with girls and all that and all these different, and he shows the VHS tapes to one of his sister's friends who gets like really, really into it, puts the things up onto YouTube and then the whole world gets into it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's, it's a very weird film. It's very off kilter. It's offbeat, but I, but I love the film. I, there was a film like that. I, I forget what it was called. It was Christopher Walken was in it, I know, and um, the guy who played George. Oh yeah, do you yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, with Brendan Fraser, Blast from yeah. the Past, and Blast from the Past. Yeah, so yeah, that, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, that that type of thing. Only that th there, I think they they went underneath because they thought that there was going to be a nuclear bomb. thing, and they stayed down there for. And then when they were running out of supplies, they sent him back up yeah. to realize that the nuclear bomb never happened. Yeah. <laughs> that it never actually happened. Yeah, but this and so this one is different because it does things where you're like, okay, sure enough, these people kidnap this kid. Uh, but it almost kind of asks you, but were they that bad? And then there's a bit where they, they go into the whole thing. And so it's, it's a bit of a touchy subject, especially if you think about if this was a real life thing. If it was like a real life implication, it would be horrible. But it's about this guy. It's, it's, not, it's, a, it's almost like, okay, forget about that. Now he has to carry on with his life. And it's just kind of like, this is all he knows. And so so did, you, did you enjoy it? Loved it. Yeah, loved it. it. It is a, it's a very, very so. It's one of these films that it's kind of, it's direct. It, it's, it comes from the Lonely Island guys, like Andy Samberg, um, Joe Mataconi, Akiva Schaefer. They and they tend to have this whole thing where it, it can be really weird and off, but but it's also really, really sweet. And it's like there's almost like a real moral at the end of the day. And I think that they really, really do that with this film. They really, I mean, as I said, I showed it to my wife, and she started watching the first ten minutes, and she watched the whole thing with me. Oh wow! And at the end, she was kind of like. Well, that was weird. And she doesn't. She usually does not like weird stuff. But she was watching, and she was like, oh, "That was weird." But that was actually kind of cute. It was actually quite, quite a really, really good film. And I think it's, it's just like the aesthetic of the film, and well, when the the Brigsby Bear things, it just apes '80s children's TV so well. <laughs> and cool. just, just the story of this guy trying to get back into real life, or trying to get back into life above ground, trying to get back into. And I think it's, it's um, because he's, he's I, I just think it's really, really well done. I think all the characters are well, there's no character that you look at anything where they're just a token in there. They all have something to do and there's oh, always, cool. yeah. Uh, so, but I like it as a small little, but if you can find it, I'll say track it down, Bregsby Bear. Sure. Yeah, I would, I would give that a four out of five. Four, four out of five. Yeah, cool. I, I'll go a four out of five. Okay, cool. So now we are kind of stalling for time because we're expecting Sharon to come through the door any moment now. And this is a film that, the next film that we have lined up to talk about is a film 
that we were originally going to, we could have spoken about it last week. We could have, but Sharon was on holiday. And we said that we wanted Sharon to be the one to be here when we spoke about the film. Because obviously, I mean, because it's kind of right up Sharon Street. It is, yeah. It's right up Sharon Street. It's, it's all, it's about country music. It even has Bob Harris. <laughs> Bob, whispering Bob Harris. Whispering Bob Harris. Of, from Bob Harris Country on BBC Radio 2. Well, yeah. I remember, I remember when I was young, I used to have a thing called the old grey whistle test. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, had some, they had some really, really iconic bands, you know, bands that became yeah. huge, you know. Yeah, yeah, because he was someone who, well, let me see, I, I mean, while he was doing his, his heyday stuff, I wasn't growing up here, so I didn't know anything about him. And the main, re the main t first time I heard about him was I actually filmed him at the Isle of Wight Literary Festival a couple of years back. And that's when I heard about this whole Bob Harris thing. I say, then that's when I started paying attention to him on the radio. And I know he has this big thing of country music. And I know Sharon is a big on country yeah, music. Yeah, so we folk, I think. Yeah, yeah, well, country and folk. And so we held this film back so we could talk about it when Sharon was here. And okay, for those of you who might listen, you have, you already have figured out that we're, t we're thinking about Wild Rose. So we're gonna let's give her five more minutes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're definitely. gonna give her five more minutes, and what we're gonna do is that we're gonna switch back to Netflix, and we're yeah. gonna talk about a Netflix film, another film that you have seen, only you have seen, and this is called film called First They Killed My Father. First They Killed My Father. Yeah. Okay, so tell us about this. Okay, now this this is a, a I think it's a couple of years ago, 2016 film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, directed by Angelina Jolie. Um, okay. And it's it's the film. It's about um, during Cambodia during the time of the the Khmer Rouge. And it's like this, this middle class family, they're in Phnom Penh. Yep. The Khmer Rouge arrive and they say, everybody out of the city, everybody out of the city, the Americans are going to bomb. And they take all these people out of the city, the, all the you know, people that lived in the city. Yeah. And they, in the end, after this, this journey, they end up in forced labour camps, basically, because you know, they want to be an agrarian society. And a lot of it's seen through this, the eyes of this, this 10 year old girl. Yeah. She's like, oh, or even, I think her sister might be 10, she's probably eight. And you know, gradually through the, the it's basically sort of like the, the killing fields. I mean, if people have seen the killing fields, it's that sort of. It's, um, and, and I was really interested in like the Vietnam War and all the stuff afterwards. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's probably, I mean, it's quite funny. I know we're going off a tangent like we do, but I did once. I, I went online and did the GCSE bite-sized uh, questions on Vietnam, and I mean, this without without any research or anything. Yeah. Else, and I aced it. I mean, I got the full <laughs> full game questions right. And that's why, you know, Vietnam movies, I really like Vietnam movies. Anything to do with Vietnam. Yeah. And obviously this was, this was because Vietnam went to war with Cambodia after. So, you know, that, and that's mentioned in it as well. That happens at the end because they came in to liberate because it was, I mean, there was a third of, a third, everywhere you look at, died, you know. A third, of, a third of the population of a, Cambodia. A, a, of Cambodia. And I mean, that's, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is, man. I mean, yeah. so yeah, anyway. This, this, it's quite a harrowing film, and in moments, actually, I, I mean, I'm very hard-hearted, and I don't normally cry, but there were a few emotional moments where it nearly, nearly brought me to tears, and I thought, that's really sad. And it had a real taste of realism. You yeah. Know I mean, there was some really, really, it was like, you know, over here, over here. And it's all about this family, obviously. Some of them get taken away to, to fight. They say, oh, the Vietnamese, we need some, we need soldiers. So yeah. some of her older siblings are... I, I, uh, so sort of forced, uh, forcibly, yeah, forcibly conscripted forced, yeah. into the and into the Cambodian army. Obviously, they they killed anybody that was a teacher or government or you know any anybody of any education. They killed, and of course, uh, at the start of the film, for maybe a third of the film, her father sort of pretending that he's pretty much a, that, he, that he's in, in that line he's with just, them. Yeah, yeah. So 
but um, so obviously, that's what I, I think it's shot very, very well. Yep. Um, and and I, I, it had some really great moments. I thought there were some times when it was a little bit laboured. You know, there were some moments where they seemed to think it was like, come on, let's move on, let's move on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, okay, we know we can understand. We can. It's a beautiful country. Well, a couple of moments where you where you say maybe go a little preachy. A little preachy, perhaps. Well, yeah, but more just you know. You know, long shots of the country, if you know what I mean. Oh, or, or oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Aerial shots of like the people working on the yeah, yeah, on the fields, on the fields and things, and bringing all the food and stuff like that. Yeah, but um, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's difficult to say. I thought, as I say, I I, I enjoyed it, and I I, I would, it's going to make me watch the Killing Fields again. I need to see the Killing Fields again now for yeah. seeing this film. Yeah. Because, have you ever seen the Killing Fields? I've never seen the I've Killing seen Fields. The killing I've heard fields. loads about the Killing Fields. I've heard all about the. Uh, was it like a lady who plays? Uh, she plays a man, but she got the Best Actress Oscar, Oscar or yeah. Best Supporting Actress Oscar for playing a man. And yeah. it's yeah, it's, I've I've heard about I've heard about Killing Fields. I've heard a lot about, it, and it's one of those films that always gets spoken about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know the name, but I've never actually seen the film. No. I, I, I mean, it took me ages to actually figure out what the film was actually about. So yeah, yeah. So never actually seen the film. So, but you, but so you, it sounds like if you say this is like a good companion piece for the Killing Fields. Yeah, I think so. Definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely works. I mean, I mean, it is subtitled and it's all in in Kaina, You know, it's all in. Is Cambodian. it? Yeah, yeah. So I oh, mean, I it's subtitled. So there's no, there's no real, you know, there's no English in it at all. It's all, yeah. it's all Kaina and and they're all Kaina actors, and uh, they look. I and in fact, I looked. You know, like sometimes you look at about films afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And there's a scene in it where they've got like after the Vietnamese have sort of half liberated and they say, yeah. oh, they've got they've got a kind of soldier they've got a kind of soldier that and the crowds gathered around him and they're being not particularly nice to him and that's that on the IMDb thing it's actually yeah. thing trivia and the trivia he was an actual kind of soldier that played the part that was the same thing happened to him yeah and yeah it was actually the, 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 the person that was in that scene oh wow it actually happened to him like it did in the scene so. And I think it's based on a book, which was like the Killing Fields was, was based on as well. It, it was a book of like poems and, and, and stories about what had happened. And, yeah. You know, a famous book. And it made me look at some other things. And there's actually a, I can't remember the name of it. I must do it. But apparently there was in Cambodia, before the Khmer Rouge, there was quite a thriving cinema scene. Oh, movie yeah. Movie scene. Yeah. yeah. Some, some big movies. But yeah. it said now there's hardly any of of them because they all got destroyed in the yeah. revolutionary type things. But this, this this one guy's made a film about about that, about that golden time of, of Cambodian movies. cinema. Yeah, Cambodian cinema. So so with that, I mean it's obviously the 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 title is massively so evocative. Once you say first they killed my father. First they killed my father. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes me still think, okay, so they killed more people. Who did they kill next? And all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's it. Who's well, people that got killed. So yeah. you know, so yeah, so I mean basically that's it obviously you know you know the father gets killed yeah and in not a particularly nice way well yeah i would imagine no yeah. but, but, but he's been in the camp for a little while and he's like you know they come up to him and they say oh we need you to help build a bridge you know we need, we need you to work on the dam and obviously there's like a soldier with a gun and yeah 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 with a little axe and he's like he knows what's going to go on he goes oh so he sort of says to his daughters and sons you know oh, and all this and I've made, I've made this and made this and yeah and off he goes and you know, they, it's not, 
but that's it. So that's the first one, and then it's just about the family breakdown really, and the mother sort of says, right, you, you need to you need to get out of here. You need to get out. So you go west, you go east, and so oh, good lord, sends them off and says, wait until you come to the camp. What time period was this set in? Uh, 70s. 70s. Yeah, yeah, because it's something that I really, really just don't know, don't know much about. about. I mean, I've heard about the Khmer Rouge, and mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard about the Killing Fields. I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so it's, it's. So, but okay. So, the, 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 well, the history behind it is obviously it was when the Vietnam War was on in the 60s. Yeah. Um, there was uh, obviously the Americans. There's, there's a couple of films about like Air America. I don't know if you've heard I've heard of it. Yeah, I've seen Air America. Yeah, it's about taking supplies and because the, the the American government obviously the domino theory they wanted su to support Cambodia so basically they supplied the Cambodian troops yeah and then obviously the, the, the communists were the Khmer Rouge whereas in, in Vietnam they were the VC which you know they, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. North, North Vietnamese army so yeah and anyway and so when Vietnam was won obviously the Americans, once they pulled out of Vietnam, they didn't really want to support yeah, yeah, any other person that, in that area. You know, it was like, man, we've just had our butts kicked. Let's, yeah. let's get out. We're not going to. And they, so there was no support anymore for Cambodia. So the um, non law, I think the, the president was. Um, obviously, it was eventually the capital got cut off, and the Cambodian army was like, oh, yeah, they, they came to welcome the. Climb a rouge and say, "Oh yeah, that's okay." And that, but and, and there's a scene in that first of all where like regular army, are, and then the climb oh. rouge come in. They're like, "Okay, drop your weapons and all that." <laughs> Cullum, you know. Oh, good lord, humans! So, but, but, okay. but it's an interesting. Obviously, obviously, if you think about it, around about that time, I was in my early teens. Yeah. And so obviously, and I mean, all that stuff was on the news. Vietnam stuff was on the news. You know, it was just like daily stuff. All you know, this happened there. This happened. So yeah. Most photographed war, I think. Most filmed war. Mm. Now, since Vietnam, every war, Falklands, everything has been stage managed, the Gulf War. It's <laughs> just like, as I said, we are not allowing any foreign journalists to come in and to, just to so cover. To just I mean, the Falklands War, there's a really interesting program about how Maggie Thatcher only allowed three journalists. <laughs> she handpicked the journalists which were allowed to go to the Falklands because they wouldn't, they reckon that the media is what, we know, with all the riots and all the peace movements and all that were all due to all this footage coming out of Vietnam. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. And people, people having such uh, having such a reaction so, to it and covering it on rest. So it sounds like I, I, I feel like I almost don't have to ask you about what you thought about this film or how many stars you would rate it. <laughs> so, but but we have to. That's what we do with this show. That's what we do. So how many how many stars would you give it? I would say if it was there, there were moments in it where it, it seemed a little bit laboured, but mm. on the whole, I think because I love the period and I think it is a good film, I would have to give this a four star. All right. So th th this gets a four star, it's fun. You know, I think there's, there's something that I think you'd be quite interested in. There was some, I read an article once, I was talking about Angelina Jolie and was asking, is she the new Clint Eastwood? Because everybody's thinking about Clint Eastwood and everything like that, like, you know, how he starts off by, he starts off seen as being like a bit part actor, he was only just known for his looks, and then he started doing all these sort of other characters, and then he forged himself a career as a director, and became like a really, really interesting director. And they were look, they, people were saying, if you look at Angelina Jolie's career path, it pretty much follows Clint Eastwood's path. And there's no, like they're talking about, there's no male star that, that essentially Angelina Jolie is a spiritual successor to, to, Clint <laughs> to Clint Eastwood. 
And the truth is, I could see her playing them out with no name. I've got, yeah. I've got, I've got to be. <laughs> be a, with the poncho. Yeah. I, I could well, the way this. cinemas go with all these big female parts, you never know. It's always a possibility, isn't it? Well, yeah, well, I think it is good. I mean, I mean it, there was a western, I think, a couple of years. Jane back, got a gun. Jane got a gun. No, that was that was nothing to write home about. That that was that that, that didn't do anything for women no. starring, and didn't do anything for westerns. But I did enjoy Sharon Stone in The Quick and the Dead. That was good. That was good. That was good. <laughs> That's uh, a good movie. I like that. that I like that. Movie, that was yeah. yeah. Oh, we had Leonardo DiCaprio. It was it is like, oh, yeah. He has this whole thing where he says, well, the something is quicker than the uh, uh, yeah, the mind right, is quicker than the hand. Yeah. <laughs> something Did you like see it. that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, remember, I remember that. Okay. Sharon still isn't here. That's strange. I feel like it? we need to send up like a pigeon or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or anyway, but we're gonna carry on. And you were talking just now about more starring roles for women in movies and that's something that i think obviously it's been a while and it's like you know it's good to see like you know there's going to be more films in which you have women taking center stage and more of that we should be we should be seeing that and so it does seem to be a thing where you seem as you were saying that you see almost noticeably that there are more films that have women in in like you know around women around women issues it's that with them in the in the main coming out and there's this film called greta which I went to see. I went to see this one called Greta. And it's obviously it's named after a woman. If you look at the poster, you see, that, you see the, the top three billed people in the film are women. There's hardly any, there's hardly any man in this film, to be, <laughs> to be honest with you, if I think of it. But that's not the point about it, that's not the point. It. So the whole idea is this is a bit of a throwback film. And it's a film that, um, it starts off and it has Chloe Grace Moretz, plays a character called Frances. And she's on the New York subway, and she's on the New- and she sees a bag, and she sees this bag, and she, she so she sees there's no one around the bag. So she opens, she takes the bag, opens it up, finds like a, a driver's license, finds some pills, and finds some money in there. And she's thinking, oh well, um, I'll I'll be a good Samaritan. I'll return this bag to the person who it came from. Obviously, being, this being a film, you know that that's never a good idea. <laughs> so, so she goes back and she returns this back to this lady called Greta. And this lady is like, oh, thank you so much for bringing it in. Or coming in, have a cup of tea and everything like that. And she starts finding out about the lady's life. Finds out that, like, you know, the lady is a widow. Her husband's dead. Uh, she has one daughter, but it's not around. She talks, she talks about how lonely she is in New York. And so Francis is like, oh, yeah, no, no, no problem. I'll come along. I'll help you. Here's my number, all that kind of stuff. And she, so Francis is staying with a friend of hers and this friend has like her dad bought her like an apartment in New York and all. So she goes back to her friend and she's like, oh yeah, tells her the story and her friend is like, what? Are you crazy? <laughs> her friend is like, are you crazy? She's a psycho. You don't, you don't, this is New York. You don't just sort of like give people your number. And she's like, no, it's fine. She'll be fine and all that kind of stuff. And as the film goes on, all of a sudden Greta starts getting more and more obsessive. Yeah, she she gets gets more and more obsessive, and something happens, which I'm not going to say. I think it's I think I I found it pretty obvious, but I'm not going to say it. I'm going to something happens that makes that makes Francis think, oh, maybe I need to keep my distance. So she tries to sort of distance herself from Greta, but Greta just sort of like starts showing up her place of work, and because she works as she works as a as a waiter, so she shows up and she's just sort of like hanging there, going, why aren't you answering my calls? Why aren't you answering my calls? Like Francis wakes up at night and there's like, you know, 15 missed calls and messages going, where are you? I'm trying to find you. I'm trying to call you. And she does things like she just goes and stands across the road from the, from the restaurant where she works and just stands there all day. So she calls the police and they're like, well, she isn't really doing anything. So we can't, we can't arrest her. We can't do anything. She's just standing there. She has the right to stand there. And, and, she, and 
um, so it just keeps going on, going on. And if you ever saw like some sort of early 90s thrillers, like um, Single White Female, mm. it has a very sort of single white female vibe about it. That's sort of like psychological thriller. There was a film with C. Thomas Howell in it, but I can't remember where there's this guy who shows up and little by little starts trying to take over his life and starts like, you know, dressing like him and looking like him and all that kind of stuff. And it and eventually becomes like his... Yeah, a bit like the gift, a bit like the gift, a bit like the gift, a bit like there's a little bit of fatal attraction in there because you have Chloe Grace Meretz who plays Francis and you have um, Isabel Huppert who plays Greta. And so there's a little bit of that where she sort of just keeps getting her way into her life and you just, and it's, it's just, it's just this thing about this, this person gets obsessed with this other person and just keeps going, no, I will be in your life. No, I want to, it, and refuses to take no for an answer. And it's this increasing thing that keeps going on. I thought a lot of this film was massively, massively predictable because I could look at it and I could go, yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, that's, that's going to happen. Sure enough, that happens. It's directed by Neil Jordan, who directed The Crying Game. Yeah. And he brings in Stephen Ray, who was also in The Crying Game. And he plays like, you know, a sort of like, you know, typical New York detective. And once the detective shows up, I'm like, okay, cool. I know what's going to happen now. And I don't know what's going to And pretty much every beat of this film, <laughs> I predicted but I really did not enjoy watching this film. And the problem I have here in trying to sort of rate this film is I feel like I was not supposed to enjoy watching it. Oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like it's... Because I didn't enjoy watching this film because the things that were going in and how Greta was getting all obsessive, I, find this, I found this more of a horror film than The Conjuring or anything like that. Really? Because I yeah. felt like everything that could happen in this film could actually happen. It, I feel like it could actually happen. So I was just really, really nervous about it. And when I got home at night, this film gave me bad dreams. It, it gave me wow. bad. It gave me bad dreams. I actually, I actually fell asleep, and I was thinking, I was dreaming that what happened in the film was happening to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was dreaming what happened to me, what happened to me, and it was one of those things. I think Sharon. Hello, Sharon. Hey. Sharon hey. just, Sharon just walked in. We were about to send a raven to find out where you'd been. <laughs> so. <laughs> Okay, that's just so. So I'm talking about Greta, talking about Greta, and so uh, I started dreaming that something that happened in this film happened to me, and I just it was just not fun. It was not fun whatsoever. I ended up just sort of like thinking like, oh, I would just let you, let you hook out. I re I ended up just sort of thinking like, okay, cool, what is going on here? I did, and I think Sharon was talking about it a couple of weeks ago, where you have a dream and then somehow you realize you're in a dream and you go, what? I've had enough of this, and, I, and actually happened to me. It was so bad. I just I was like, I had enough of this. I woke up. So when I'm when I when it comes to reviewing this film, I didn't enjoy watching it. But I'm like, does that mean that the film was actually really effective at doing what it was supposed to do because I did not enjoy watching it, or does that mean that the film was just stupid and predictable and therefore I didn't enjoy watching it? And I still can't put my finger on it. I I feel like it's 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 a very very histrionic film it's like the and it's one of the few films in which you notice the musical score it's like something happens and it's like da, 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 da. and it just you, you you notice that all the way through and you feel like it is deliberately done that way and it just it, it's not a film that you want to apply logic to because you start thinking hang on why did she do that why did she do that? how does that go why would you do why wouldn't you tell anybody you were going there <laughs> and it's it's you, so there's all these questions that you end up asking and even the way it ends and the way it goes you're like no come on that no, no forget about that so in 
from watching it, I remember coming out of the film and watching I wanted to give this film a two. But after thinking about it, I'm going, but if it actually, if it made me feel unsettled, if it gave me bad dreams, is that what they were trying to do with the film? Possibly. Is that what, so I think I might have to give this film a three. Three. I think I'm gonna have to give it a, a, a three. It is, it is kind of like a mix between single white female and fatal attraction. And Isabel Huppert, she does one of these, you know when, when they talk about somebody swinging for the fences, the, the, the performance is totally her swinging for the fences. It's totally her just going for it. There's a, there's a scene where she's playing some Chopin, dancing around and you go like, yeah, she, she is, she's dialed into the Dulali side of her. She is really, really dialed into the Dulali side of her. I think um, uh, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz is all right in the film. Micah Monroe is all right in the film. Um, but it's really Isabel Huppert's movie. And, but I just feel like the things, that, the things that she does and where the film goes, I found deeply, deeply unsettling and unpleasant. So, <laughs> yeah, I'd give it a three. Three star. Yeah. Sharon, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. I've had a <laughs> day well. of being wet, dry, wet, dry, then sweating. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, so you've just come from like what? Well, okay, obviously, smell doesn't tr smell doesn't travel in a podcast, but yeah. you, but you just come like you smell. You just come from like you know a floral shower. I have, but literally five minutes ago, <laughs> my hair's still wet. <laughs> For those who don't know, I am a gardener by trade, yeah. so I am out in all weathers. And you just, by the, even one day, you just get hot, sticky, sweaty, muddy, horrid. Then you have a shower, get it all off, then you leg it down here and get all sweaty yes. again. And I sort of get up, come all flushed normally <laughs> with wet hair. <laughs> okay, cool. So we have, um, we have been stalling like crazy. Wild, Wild Rose was going to kick us off, but we've held it back and held it back and held it back so that you would be here because we've held this back, we held this film back from like last yes, week. So, so that like, we could all be in on the discussion. Well, ideally, so that you could be here to, yeah. <laughs> to actually talk about it because we've spoken about the fact that it has Bob Harris in it. It's all about country music, and this is like this is your wheelhouse. Yes, this is your wheelhouse. So we're going to give uh, Sean and I are going to give ourselves a little bit of a break, and we're going to say, okay, so Wild Rose, tell us what it's about. Wild Rose is about a. A woman who we first meet her, she is in prison in Scotland. Uh, she is a passionate country fan and her dream is to be a country star in Nashville. And but her sea anchors, as it were, the things that are holding her back are her poor choices throughout her life. She's only a, she's only a young woman in her twenties, but she's already got two children with their father's not in sight. Yeah. She's had no career plan because she just wants to sing, so she's just never been employed properly. And her mum basically has been picking up the slack. She's been looking after children. She's been sort of being mother to her grandchildren, basically. And throughout the film, you see her almost regarding her children as an anchor They're, that's slowing her down rather than something that should uplift her. And you see the film as her, she tries desperately through a diff couple of different ways to get to Nashville to fulfill her dream yeah and one of the ways she thinks is a way is by going to finally getting to meet Bob Harris who does his country show on BBC Radio 2 no plugs here <laughs> um, and she thinks all oh, right if I get to meet Bob Harris he'll give me all these tips and the only tip he, he she does get to meet him and the tip he gives her is you know they say that country music is three chords and the truth well if you're going to be a country singer then you need to 
speak your truth. Yeah. So you need to write your own songs, you need to perform your own songs, and that's the avenue you really need to go down if you want to be successful. You could be fine singing, but there's lots. Of, as anyone who's seen X Factor will know. Oh God. There's lots of good singers out there. Yeah. Just being good is not enough. You've got to have that that truth. And you've got to better express your truth in, in a way that yeah, is the, honest the, to you. There's a line in the film that her mother says, uh, where her mother, at least that she goes, you only have to turn on the TV to find a good singer. <laughs> it's, yes. like, it's, it's, not, it's not enough. Yeah. So we do follow her through the ups and downs of her life. We see the poor choices she's made. And sometimes you think, wow, you really are unlikable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. There was no... But, I, but the performances are outstanding. Start. So Jessie Buckley plays Rosalind, who is the, the star of the show. Her mother is played by Julie Walters. Yeah. Um, Whispering Bob Harris is played by Whispering Bob Harris. <laughs> and there's yes. a couple of cameos from country stars that I'm not... I, I, I think if you've been really into country, you've gone, oh, that's so-and-so. Because in the credits at the end, it was like, so-and-so as themselves. So there was a bit of you're country... Like, you're like, yeah, good for them. Do, do, do you good think... Do, I, I did wonder, I mean, I don't know, but I wondered if the motel owner was, was baby perhaps... You know, Possibly. Yeah, 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 because I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure there must have been some cameo. Yeah, yeah there's there's a Nashville scene. There's a, yeah. there's a bit where she where there's a bit in Nash, set in Nashville, and there's a motel owner. Yeah, so I don't know. Might be, they might have been. It's possible. They might. They're very. Yeah, so I think it it shows you this this driving ambition, but then you get to see as the film progresses, she has to assess what really is important to her. Yeah. And she through various events, she, we get to see that that for moving from someone who's completely self-obsessed to suddenly beginning to look beyond themselves and then they can become to know their truth and to express it um, themselves. Yeah, so we had, we, we pretty much had like, you know, a podcast trip to go see this film. Yeah, we all went together. Yeah, we all, we all together, we all went to see this film last night. And this film, I've seen, from the little I've seen in the, in the public conversation about this film, people are comparing it, and I think quite wrongly, to A Star Is Born. No, it isn't. I don't think. I don't think it is. Yeah, I don't think it's anything like A Star Is Born. I think that's the two totally different things. Yes. So it's uh, I don't. So all of you who are doing that, stop, stop. Makes no sense. Yeah. Because <laughs> A Star Is Born is about one star rises and another star falls. Yes. Yeah. That sort of almost like transference, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Though you see at the beginning of the film, the male star normally is at the peak, the pinnacle of their success. Yeah. And then meeting this woman, it normally it marks the point when they're, 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 they start their that decline. Yeah. And this is just that, there's not, that, that's, yeah, not that, that's not in this film. There's no suggestion of, you know, fate at work here. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I think it's, it's quite, because for, to begin with, as you said, the character of Rose in this film is quite Painful. unlike. Yeah, she, <laughs> I do not like it. I think especially, I think, okay, Sean, you have a kid. I do. Yeah. You have a kid. So I think especially her attitude to her kids yeah. is quite, is, uh, I can imagine that that's something yeah, that yeah, really that just really gets right up your nose. So it was very telling. I mean, it's not, it's not really a spoiler, but no. she's released from jail at the very beginning yes. of the film. And the first thing she does is she goes to see her boyfriend yeah. and they have this sort of quite sordid hookup in the nearby yeah. park. Yeah. When you think, and then you, then later you realise, oh, she's got a mother and two children waiting for her. Yeah. So they're not her priority. Her yeah. priority was to get laid in a public park. Yeah. And go singing. And to go then go singing. Yeah. And the fact that she'd often forget her children, she'd just completely forget. Yeah. Or she'd be drinking and thinking, hey, minute, you're supposed to be responsible for two children and you're drunk. Yeah. <laughs> All these things that we're sort of, even I'm not a parent, I'm going, what are you doing? 
<laughs> and you get to the point where you're thinking, those children would be better off without her. Yeah. And that's an awful thing to think, isn't it? That the children would be better off without their mother. Um, but the, I think you see a progression. You, you see her mature yeah. over, well, through the film. You see, and, and that's a weird thing about the film because I also think that there's times where I think she herself thinks that. Yeah, At least she, there are times yeah. when you can see she has like doubts doesn't she yeah. there are moments where she's where thinking she's like, mm. maybe they are better off with my mum yeah. yeah like she's a better mum than I am so yeah. why, do, why does they, he just they caught from the children when they're not well they go like where's that what granny yeah because yeah. <laughs> she's the one who's been there for them who, uh, who played by Judy Walters is absolutely yeah. Yeah. fantastic uh, to, to me that was a, a proper performance yeah. you know she, she was great well the thing is I think I think everybody in this film everybody in this film I just thought was on was on was on song. Yeah. I think yeah. yeah, I think Julie Walters is the mum, Jesse Buckley as Rose, Sophia Conedo, who plays this lady because she ends up getting a job as a cleaning lady. As a cleaning, yeah. And I and I feel like Sophia Conedo is this she's this sort of like wonderful presence. I've never seen her play a role like no. this before. <laughs> Whether, totally. bit, bit dippy really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bit dippy. You're not sure whether she's naive or whether she's inspired or anything like that. You don't know whether it's or like she's just kind. Yeah. Because she's you make she makes choices and you're thinking, okay. Yeah. Are you have you been suckered, or are you genuinely just being kind? Yeah, yeah. You just don't know at some points. Yeah, and I, and I think this film, Sean, Sean, you were talking about. We were talking before you arrived, Sharon. We we're talking about how all of a sudden there seem to be a lot of films that have female leads, and a lot of films yes. that have that have like almost of female stories. And this film, there's hardly a father in sight. No, they're, they're not referred to at all. The parents, yeah. the, the fathers of these. Two the fathers of the two children. Assuming them, they're not the same guy. Yeah. The father of these two. Children. The father, and, 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 and actually, one about acting, and, and the kids themselves played it really well. Yeah. The kids were well. awesome. <laughs> they were, the kids were. I mean, I mean we've had we, kid ch child actors have come up a couple of times they, in the last couple of weeks. They totally, they they felt their game, haven't they? Really, from apart from Dumbo. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, but the kids Except in this that. film were awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, the the kid. Uh, the thing is, like, this film, the performances were such that at no, it almost felt like nobody was acting at any yeah, point. That's what I was thinking. You don't think. Hello, I'm acting now. Yeah. Look at me. They did it felt these sort of quite realistic, naturalized performances. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, like the kids, I mean, especially her daughter. The fact that her daughter, when she first meets her, doesn't say anything for absolute yeah. ages. And you're just looking at the kids and you're going, wow, these, the, 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 the younger yeah. boy, he just seems like a, he seems like a small boy. He just, like, yeah. just an old boy. He's running around and doing all these things. And it just comes across like, and even the thawing of the relationship between her and her daughter is so well done. I was, yeah. I was sitting here going, did this did this girl really not like Jesse Buckley or something? <laughs> because the way they the way they played it was just so great. It was just so so great. And I think the story of it it's because especially when you talk about Star is Born, where it differs from a Star is Born is a Star is Born is all about the rise and fall of these characters. Yeah. This isn't really this isn't like a rags to riches tale at no. all. It's it's more of uh, it's more about or what the, as the title says Wild Rose. It's about her yeah. and it's about almost how she marries all these disparate areas of her life together. So the bit the film ends on, it ends on a bit of like a hopeful note that, hey, yeah. there might be hope. Yeah. There might be hope going forward, but not like, ta-da, look, she's made it. She's I, headlining I, I, a Glastonbury. Yeah, yeah. I was, I, I, and I actually quite like that. That was like, I love me, that. That, was, that yeah. was a bit of, because I thought, yeah. no, <laughs> no, no. Yeah. No. Well, we've seen no. that film, haven't we? Where someone has a dream and then they, they miraculously it comes true. Yeah. And when you think there's thousands of people head off to Nashville every year, <coughs> there's thousands of people who leave Nashville every year with their dreams broken. Yeah, yeah because there's and there's so many oh, that's, bits. That's, 
there's so many bits in the film where it talks about things like that and there's bits in the film and there's a bit where the film is looking like it's going towards yeah. what I would call a Hollywood ending. Yes. And I think that's where, you, where Sean is going, no, no, Adam. Because I was having the same thought. I was like, I was like, <laughs> if, if you do Don't this, do if, yeah. you, if, you, if you do, I, I will be so annoyed. Because the film had gone to great lengths and great pains to tell you, oh, if you X, Y, Z, this won't happen if you do yeah. it's like this doesn't happen you don't get this that way you don't and if it just all of a sudden had gone like oh yeah you know all the stuff is talking about oh forget about it ta-da because yeah, we've it all would, seen that film haven't we where they're singing in a pub or they're singing somewhere then there's there just happens to be this producer there and yeah. they just happen to go oh, yeah. you're just what I've been looking for all my oh, life is a, and yeah. then they here's a record deal and then here's your tour of all the 30,000, yeah, and we've seen that film, haven't we? And we just go, right, uh, uh, stop yeah. now, because yeah. we just don't care. I mean, I even started yawning when you just started yeah. describing that film. <laughs> so, and if you just, if the fact that it steers away from that, it's, I, think it's, it's, I think the fact that it's British makes a difference. I think we can handle that sort of film. Yeah. I think if, if you had like, you know, a girl from Glasgow takes over the world, people would be like, oh, for goodness sake. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, girl from Glasgow figures out maybe how she can live her life a little bit better. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah, we can handle that. We can handle that. Yeah. Can handle some that. optimism at the end. Yeah, yeah. I, I think with that, I mean, for instance, if I compare it to a film like a recent British film that we all loved, Fighting With My Family. Oh, yeah. And even that, I think, goes very Hollywood towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it goes, I feel like in Fighting With My Family, they go to great lengths to explain how, oh, this is all this and it's, it's acting, but at the same time, even though it's acting, it's still like a lot of, there's a lot of training involved in it. And, but then at the end, they sort of seem to throw a lot of that out the window and go, but never mind, yeah, yeah, top of the world. Uh, but in this film, I felt like they, I felt like, the ending was very true yeah, I, I, to yeah. everything that had happened I, I before that. It made the film for me. I think yes. it lifted it. Because I was thinking, yeah, this is okay. Hmm. And then it lifted it yeah. completely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it added an extra point to my score. All right, cool. So, and what would that point be? I w it, it rose to a four. It was oh, a right. three, and then it, that ending. Because when I was watching it, sometimes in my head I do a mini review as yeah. I'm watching it. Um, not always, yeah, 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 yeah. if I'm in the film or not. And, and, and yeah, well, part of me was at one point I thought, mm, I don't think this is going to be more than a three. Mm. And then I, but the ending made it a four for me. Yeah, I, I, I've had that. I've had films before. Like, I think the worst one for me was Terminator Genesis. Where I'm watching it and at the beginning I'm like, oh man, they might be pulling this up. This might be a four. Then as the film goes on, you're like, oh no, no. Okay, it's a, it, now it's a three. Oh, oh, now it's a two. Yeah. Oh God, it's now it's a <laughs> now it's a one, and then by the time you're like, oh, I do not care. <laughs> I just do not care. You've lost me. Yeah. So, so I know where. Okay, four for you, Sean. What, what do you say about okay, it? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, it's, it wasn't like for me. It didn't do any major, major. You know, I didn't think it was a major, major. But I recognised it as a great film. Yeah. And as we said, the ending made it really good. And I think for the acting alone, it deserves probably probably deserves a four just for the for, for the acting, you know. Yeah. 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 I'd give it a four as well. Yeah, yeah. I'd give it a four as well. I mean, I really because I understand what you mean about it being. And Sabula said, "Oh, it's it's like a Sunday afternoon movie." I don't quite think it's that. I don't. No. I, I don't think it's is, is that I, a level. I don't think it's that cozy. Mm. I don't think you can just say, "Oh yeah, let's put your feet up and enjoy the film." Mm. I think it's too challenging, and it's used to yeah. embrace it for much of the film. For I, I, I think I have to say that. You know, at the start of the film, I was very much possibly you know, to start with. I was even thinking yeah. possibly, well, you know, there'd be like this two, maybe a three. <laughs> but then I thought, 
uh, incredible performances, you know, really, really yeah. well made. And for me, yeah, it, it was it was it was realism, which I like in movies. You know? Yeah. So, so yeah. I'm gonna have to. That's hence my. Yeah, and my I think it, it is a game changer for Jessie Buckley. I think. I hope she's so. been building up to this. I think she's been in a lot of roles over the last few years, but she's always been either slightly supporting or when there've been lesser roles. But this is really gonna up her career. I think. Cool. The fact that she can carry a film. She did with Beast, but she, Beast was a, more of a two-hander. Yeah. With um, Johnny Flynn, whereas this, I think, it's her film. So yeah. Oh, cool. Good things ahead. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope so. I, I, I would I would encourage anyone to go see the film. Yeah. Um, I, I I think it's. I mean, the, I love the fact that the character remains just so unrepentant for so long. Like there's a scene where she meets up with her lawyer. And the, th the stuff she says, I think the lawyer's reaction in that scene is the audience's reaction. <laughs> it's the audience's reaction to what is coming out of your mouth. <laughs> it's, uh, and it's, there's a, I, I, think, I think it's, I, I love the format, it was great. Okay, now we're going to mess around with our format today because we've just done cinema. And now let's see, I'm going to go cinema again. And Sean, you're going to talk to us about a film that you alluded oh, to earlier yes, on. Yes, yes, yes. Called Dragged Across Concrete. Dragged Across Concrete, yeah. Indeed. So, go ahead. Okay, well, this was, um, I was, I was on the mainland visiting some relatives, and I thought, because they watch the general, normal Saturday TV yeah. stuff, which I'm not particularly into, I was flicking through cinema and Paul and I saw this Dragged Across Concrete. I thought, and I knew nothing yeah, about it, and I thought, oh, this sounds interesting. So I thought, right, I'm going to go and see that. It was an 18, by the way, so it's, a, it's an 18 certificate. Um, you've seen Bone Tomahawk, haven't you? Yes. It's done by the director of Bone Tomahawk. Okay, so you could expect some surprises and some gore, possibly? A little bit of gore, yep, yep. And, and like you say, a few surprises. Wince. Was there a wince moment? Um, in this one, would I say there was a wince moment? There, there was a like moment like... <laughs> oh, yeah, I was guessing uh, the word. I've, I've, heard, I've heard of something that they've just referred to as the key in stomach. Oh yeah, there's the oh yeah oh yes 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 yes, <laughs> and it all comes flooding back. <laughs> it does. I was thinking of another. I was actually thinking, but yeah, that that would probably be the moment. But there's there's another incident which is, which I don't know. It's quite well. Can't believe that happened. So there, oh, yeah. there, there's there's a couple of moments where yeah. it's like, oh no, why would you? I, I'm not, well, I suppose I could say, but it's just this. It's like not really anything to do with the rest of the film. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give you a brief synopsis of the film and then I'll yeah. play it. Yeah. So this, basically you've got Mel Gibson and Principal. They're a couple of detectives. They, they, they're on the stakeout. They're making this arrest. And they get a bit, you know, they, they're sort of old-fashioned type. And they use a bit too much force. Yeah. And obviously someone's filmed it. And so, you know, um, so they get suspended. Hence the name of the film, Drag Boss <laughs> Probably something like that, yeah. yes. And so... <laughs> So they decide that, or, or Mel Gibson saying, look, you know, I mean, I haven't got much time left. I've been spent so many years as a, as a cop. We're going to rip off some bank robbers, basically. You know, we're going yeah. to rob some robbers. So, and Vince Vaughn's a little bit on the, well, on the fence. He doesn't really yeah, know whether to do it or not. Yeah. Sure where to go, where he ends up. And uh, they obviously, well, they, they rob some bank robbers. And, and the scene that I was talking about before, there is this scene when, when the robbery is taking place yeah. and they're not particularly nice characters the bank robbers most of the time they've got masks and so you never really say but yeah there's this poor, poor poor woman and a terrible thing happens to her bless her poor little soul and it's just like yeah it turns up this is like a first night back like some, some really nasty stuff happens but 
So that's basically the story. So they go and, and they end up in the middle of nowhere and you know they're trying to there's, there's like a bit of a standoff, bit of a shootout, bit of different things going so on. So I guess it's like a heist of a heist that kind of goes wrong. A heist of a heist, yeah, with like with, with, with some great surprises actually. It's some some really shocking moments and some real real Oh so so kind of like you don't know where this is going. Yeah, yeah. Oh okay um, good. So so really, really good. Um, I don't think Mel Gibson's particularly on on form, but he's okay. Yeah. Uh Vince Vaughan's come up in the world I think a little bit with, with fighting with my family and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, he's doing more proper yeah. acting, isn't he? But this I, I, I would say I mean some people could you could compare this to Tarantino because there's a lot of dialogue, mm-hmm. there's a lot of a lot of talking going on. I think it's it's different to Tarantino stuff. But there are a lot of shots and I, I mean for some reason maybe it's just an age of what the films were. A lot of the time you've got through this car window, you know, the screen, the windscreen. Yeah. You've got the two of them. Yeah. And there's conversations going on in different times and, and so as they're driving along and there's conversations in the car when they're on the stakeout and yeah. they're doing stuff. And I really, really love that for me. <laughs> and I thought this the assault on precinct thirteen, there's a scene in that where there's like two coppers in the car and they're trying to find out what's going on. Yeah. And it just, and it brought back memories of that. And, it, it, and it, it, very, it does seem like a very 70s shot. Very, very, yeah, there's a lot of, and, and it reminded me of those 70s films, yeah. you know, real tough, quite gritty, you know. Um, and there wasn't anything particularly silly in this. I yeah. Think, as I was expecting, you know, you know me, I was on the lookout for things like that. And, and in fact, oh, things, the, things that you're like, oh, that would never that, happen. That would never oh, happen. that doesn't make yeah. sense, yeah. And things in this actually happen, like, you know, because there's a subplot, like obviously the bank's been robbed. They're, they're following, following, or they're trying, and they're trying not to get tailed. And they're yeah. saying, you know, be careful. You know, because obviously, and some of the guys are in the back of this van, and the other two are driving. There's two, two dudes, like yeah, 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 yeah. driving. It says, "Are we being followed? Are we being followed?" And there's been a little time before because obviously these two cops are were seen on the news, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, because they got suspended for something. And he actually looks in the mirror and he actually sees him and he says, no, 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 we're definitely not being, which is, <laughs> wow, what's, you know, so where's this going to, and that's where you think where it's going to go, because he knows they are being followed. Yeah. He's, he's clocked them. Yeah. But those in the back, the real nasty ones. Yeah. They don't. You know? So, okay, so with, with this film, um, I've heard things about it because with the director, I think it's Craig S. Zala or something like that. You sort of know where, as Sharon was saying, you know what you're going to get. You know you're going to get something that's a little bit that that's, that's visceral, yep. that's kind of like that makes you go a couple of times. And um, I've heard a lot of stuff about how the you know we talked about um, Rose in Wild Rose being a very unlikable character. I'm talking about how Mel Gibson and um, Vince Vaughn in this film are deeply unlikable characters. Yeah, they're not they're not particularly endearing. I mean, I, don't, I, I didn't dislike them in particular. I did dislike the the one of the robbers with the mask that you never saw. Oh yeah. The part never, you know, never <laughs> those two that never took them. I, I think in the credits, I've forgotten what they were called, but it was like the voice, you know, or they, <laughs> they never really. So. Well, in Bone Tomahawk, it was quite interesting because all the Indian, the the savage creatures mm. yeah. in Bone Tomahawk were played by really famous Native American. Indeed, actors, yeah. and you, you think they were unrecognisable, but they had like the who's who of like Native <laughs> yeah. American actors yeah. in there. But you just didn't recognise any of them. No, no. Well, that's that's. I mean, maybe that was part of it, as I say. That's what. You know, yeah. What, 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 
And I've, I've heard stuff about it, but because people have talked about this one, said it's kind of problematic because it says things like um, it talks about obviously they said that they're playing and the director's playing a funny game because obviously Mel Gibson was most he's most famously been in the news for someone filming him doing stuff and like saying stuff and saying racist stuff against certain people groups and apparently the incident in this film is about him is about someone filming him saying stuff <laughs> about certain people that it's in a racist matter but it, i've heard that the film does this weird thing where it's almost asking you to sort of side with him yeah and it's a it's but yeah there is a reason behind it right so so but I, I don't think there's too much in the way of that um because as i say there are some you know the, the black dudes in it and things like that and at the end you know there was a sort of a bit of a, a thing with Mel Gibson and what um, one of the dudes you know yeah. just clocked him and says oh you know I know and um, as also towards the end something that happens like that and this guy says when Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that you're, you're getting close to each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. So we should just go talk to someone. You can, you can, you can yeah. talk to us about it yeah. fully. All right, but oh, how many stars would you give it? Okay, well, as I say, I, 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 I really, really enjoyed it. It ticked all the boxes for me. I love the cinematography. You know, I love I the, the, the shots. I love yeah. the cinema shots. I liked the acting. thought it was, was really good. But I can't quite give it five stars, but I can give it a solid, solid four. All right. A solid, solid four stars okay. for this one. It was really good. And if you like that sort of... 70s gritty feel with, with you know a few nasty bits and a few surprises and, and where's this going then it's, it's well worth a watch but right. it's an 18 significant all right cool and now sharon we come back to you and you come back to a film that much like we were waiting for you to come in here and we're stalling for you yeah it's much like we come to a film that it's like has been waited and we've been waiting for and waiting yes. for and has been on the back burner for like five weeks yeah and this is a film that you have been you've been talking talk about and like, oh we don't have space for it we don't have space for it we don't have space for it but the day has come the time this has come for this movie you want to tell us what it was that you saw on netflix i saw on netflix it's a random it came up on my recommendations because i'd seen a film called polar with mad mickelson oh yeah and which is a violent comic book film yeah and it said because you saw that you might like this and this is a film called Billy Graham, An Extraordinary Journey. So how you can connect Mads <laughs> Nicholson and Billy Graham. I had no idea, but Netflix did it. I don't know how to worry. I probably would never have seen, come across this without this random recommendation. So it was divine inspiration, obviously, from someone who thought she wants to see a film about the world's most famous evangelist. And actually, it was it was absolutely excellent. It's only okay. about an hour long, and it's a documentary. And obviously, and Billy Graham died last year. Yeah. At the age of ninety nine. Yeah. And I think he's probably arguably the most famous evangelist yeah. that the the world has ever known. Yeah. People who people who have Paul no Apostle. interest. Yeah. People who have no interest in Christianity whatsoever know the name Billy Graham. They know Billy Graham. They yeah. know who he is. Yeah. So this basically. Um, tells his life story in, in like this one hour slot how and how basically how he became the world's most famous evangelist mm -hmm. and it sort of it goes back to how he was training in the ministry and he was doing tent missions in America and he came to the attention of one man he was moderately successful you know he was people were coming to see him preach and they he was getting people who answered altar calls and altar call is when someone says if you believe what I've said and you want to make a personal commitment then come forward and we'll We'll pray with you. Yeah. And he was getting people who were responding to his old course. We knew that he had a gift for, for evangelism. Yeah. And then he caught the attention of William Randolph Hearst. 
Oh. The newspaper man. Oh, yeah, the guy and who Citizen Kane is based Citizen on. Citizen Kane is based on him. Yeah. And apparently he dressed in, he and his secretary went, turned, uh, went in incognito to a Billy Graham mission. Yeah. Just to see this young creature that people were talking about. And he put, uh, had one telegram out to every single newspaper that he owned, and it said, Puff Graham. And now, a puff piece is normally when you, you promote someone. Yeah. So basically, William Randolph Hearst basically put the word out that he wanted them to really promote Billy Graham. Yeah. And so from, so, so from then, going to tent missions where he was speaking to hundreds, suddenly he was speaking to thousands and even tens of thousands. And it just went, his missionary, his missionary work went through the roof. And this was in the late 40s, 1940s. Did they give any, did they give any explanation as to why Hearst wanted to puff Graham, so to say? No, no reason at all. He just sent out this telegram to all his newspapers that he owned, and all of them began running these massive stories, you know, big double-page spreads, even in magazines that he owned, to promoting this you know, fiery, young, you know, go-getter evangelist. And suddenly, yeah, he, he went and tried to um, transfer it. And he was invited to the White House. Oh, yeah? And Harry S. Truman was um, president then. And it's a fact that basically he, he went to every, he went to the White House with every incumbent of the White House from Truman right through to Barack Obama. Yeah. And he had actually, he had personal time with each and every one of them. He was very good friends with Eisenhower and Nixon and Lyndon, Lyndon Johnson. He was personal friends. Yeah. And the reason why he was personal with a lot of them because he never ever spoke about what they talked about. Yeah. And he, and they, he, he would never, he was political. He, he was passionately political, Billy Graham. He used to read seven newspapers every day, and he'd get the Times, the Telegraph, and the Mail sent from London every day. <laughs> that he'd read because he wanted like the you know, every sort of strata of, of sort of British press, and he'd get like the Washington Post, the New York Times, and um, his local papers. But he would he would read the news avidly, yeah. and he was passionately involved in politics, but he never commented. Oh. And he was asked to run for office and for, uh, run for different posts, and he all said, "No, no, no." I know exactly where I'm supposed to be, and that is preaching. That so, is my job. So, with this, was this um, is this is this documentary itself a bit of a puff piece? Is it a bit it of is a, is, bit, is a bit of a oh my god, you were so great! Oh my god! Oh, yeah, I think it and, and it's there's contributed uh, people have contributed from his work and his life. So, all his children have contributed to this. He's got yeah. five children, and again, they had a mixed life. So, the fact that they've all ended up in min Christian ministry is remarkable. One of his sons was a drug addict for a while and went off the rails. One of his daughters had been married four times. Mm -hmm. um, other ones have been through difficulties. But they all basically said, he, well, no matter what we did, we knew that we could always go to him and speak to him. So it was a bit of a puff piece okay. um, in itself, but it was celebrating his life. But what I found out after, it, it references is the fact that he'd been to hundreds of countries around the world. Yeah. He'd preached to you know, a hundred, millions of people. But he came to Britain several times, and he was at Haringey Arena in 1954, and he was there for three months. And in that time, two million people went to see him. Oh, wow. wow. And my mum was one of them, because <laughs> I asked her. And she said, yes, she saw Billy Graham three times. She saw him at Haringey, she saw him at Wembley Arena, and then at Portsmouth Guildhall, of all places. Oh, wow. he was pretty much Ed Sheeran. Yeah, they could just turn up anywhere. <laughs> but they laid on special trains for the Haringey Arena um, show, the, the, the missions, as yeah, they yeah. call them, 
not shows really, but yeah, they had special trains because it was so popular. Two million people went to see him in three months. Yeah, yeah because I know they... they it's just a phenomenon. It's a, it's, well, he was a phenomenon. They even had him, he, had, he even showed up in the in, or ne another Netflix show, The Crown. Like yes. the, the Billy Graham, um, there's a bit where he meets the Queen and everything like that. And the Queen actually requests like, you know, a private audience with him and yeah. all that. And like you have the Church of England people going, why, why, this, uh, this American, this bashing of America and everything like that. Because so yeah, people think he was universally welcomed, but he wasn't. He had a really hard press in Britain when he first came. And then imagine. you know how was every sort of um, people, underdog. He said, as soon as people, he started getting a hard time, people started going, don't you bully him? And they started <laughs> supporting him even more. And it just went through his life how he was like, he went to Russia when it was still the Soviet Union. Yeah. He was invited to South Africa, but since the 1950s, he'd refused to do any um, mission work or do any crusades in a segregated audience. And he said, he'd be, in America, he was like one of the first big names to say, I will not preach to a segregated audience. You so, come equal or you don't come at all. So with this, there, I'm, guess, I'm guessing that there's no deep dive to try and find like, you know, the dark secrets of Billy Graham yeah. and like, you know, his, his secret glue sniffing habits. Or I think, I think we'll try, have, people have tried, but I think he protected himself really well. Yeah. In the 1940s, he set up a committee who would oversee all his finances. So he would have no personal involvement with any finances involved in the mission. Yeah. And it was for him and his wife and his family that he had a, a, this team, a, a group of people who oversaw it since the 1940s. Yeah. This is before he became like this global yeah, phenomenon. So I think he did protect himself, and I think that's not an accident. I think he was, he was. I think he was meant to be where Clever he was, guy. and I think he protect himself in a way that was honouring the role he had. But I think isn't it? Yeah, I found it really interesting as a Christian, and I thought to see someone who is a global phenomenon. Yeah. And I think we won't, probably won't see his like in our lifetime again. I mean, I can name four or five evangelists, but I think the fact that uh, you, you, you go to any member of the public and say, have you heard of this evangelist? I think mm. they just wouldn't have heard of them. Yeah. Whereas I've, even I've, people who have I've, no I've connection with the church. I have heard of Billy Graham, but you're yeah. exactly right. I couldn't tell anyone else who's an evangelist. No idea. No, or even a well-known Christian would be like, I mean, oh, was, was, was Martin Luther there. King an evangelist or was that different altogether? He was a preacher, but he was he was a preacher, but he's he's most he's more known for being the civil rights. Civil that was, that was yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, yeah, the, so, the, the, the nature yeah. of who he was and the nature of what was going on at that time just it meant that. Yeah, he was yeah he was friendly with Billy Graham. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I thought it was I it opened my and I have gone on and since read a book about Billy Graham because I thought I want to know a bit more about him. Yeah. And yeah, I found him. Yeah, that even if you do, do dig deep, he had no scandals. There was no scandals connected to him. He won't see, but he would admit to everyone, you know, I am not a saint. You know, my, ask anyone who knows me well, they'll know that I've got a temper, that I can be impatient, that, you know, he spent more time away from his family than he probably should have done. Oh, yeah. Because he was, yeah. like, preaching for nearly all of his yeah, children's lives. Yeah. His wife raised their five children. Oh, right. He would just, like, he'd be away for three months. Yeah, and then probably he'd why come they had back. four marriages and become drug addicts and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> were, it wasn't a perfect life, cause he, yeah. but he chose, you know, to serve God mm. right over anything mm. else. So people like would say, so he wasn't. Yeah, yeah, no, those, uh, I was just thinking that. Yeah. I was just thinking that. It's like an unexpected parallel with Wild Rose and yes. Billy Graham. Unexpected parallel. He had parallel. this conflict, and he said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here on this earth to preach, and that's what he did his whole life long. So how many stars would you give it? I'd give five stars. Oh. Because I think you got me. But maybe the only flaw in it would be the fact that it wasn't very critical. Yeah. But I thought, to me, it was, it was a it would just uh, made me want to find out more yeah. which I think is what you want for a documentary so I would say yeah I'd give it a five 
Cool, good stuff. All right, now we have two more things from the Netflix stable. Oh, we wow. have Black Summer, for which we'll come Summer. back to you, Sean. Yep. Uh, so, quick fire questions. Black Summer, what's it about? Okay, just basically, it was like a, similar to be like a bit of a zombie zombie series, you know? Oh, I'm, I've heard of this. I haven't yeah. seen it yet, but I've heard of this. Yeah, well, I watched the whole... whole I've watched, I've Is watched it like everything. Z Nation? Or oh, I know it's Z Nation. Well, but yeah, it's basically, it starts... The, the first episode, the first episode is really good. It sets you up, like... And, and, okay, so, so this is this is a TV series. TV series. TV yeah, series, and, and in in a in a typical Netflix for cinema way, you, you must you have, to, you have to have seen the whole yeah, the season whole before you talk yeah. about. So you're talking about Black Summer season one. Yeah. Black okay. Summer cool. season one. So yeah, it starts off basically this family. They're all lined up. The soldiers. Something's going on. There's some sort of you know, well, basically the far zombies like you see in the far zombie movies. And oh yeah, yeah. Obviously, this. this I love family, that. I love that. That's now a genre. The fast yeah, zombie movies. Fast zombie movies. Yeah, I'm waiting to see some big. Fatty zombies, yeah, at the moment, <laughs> big ones that can hardly move, you know, real wonders. Um, sort of the in-betweeners, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, I like my zombie stuff, and I, I, I do actually play this game, and you get the one game I play called Zombie Side is you have got fatties which are harder to kill, but you've also got like speedy ones, and you've got like the normal <laughs> draggy ones, and you're playing with some. I play it with some friends, and it's yeah. a good game. But anyway, back back to this series. Yeah, it starts off so there's this family. And basically, they're in a line. But the military are there, and, that, and then they sort of say they, they get to the father, and they're like, "Oh, can you just step over there a minute? Is everything all right?" And all that, and they go and go, "Have you got a gun?" No, 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 we've got nothing. And the, the the little girl gets on the truck, and they say, and then they obviously the incident happens with the dad, and the yeah. mother goes over, and yeah. the truck drives off. Yeah. So, and basically, so it's this woman who's all the same. So, oh yeah, they've gone to the stadium. They've, they've all gone to the stadium. Husband, husband gets killed, but she's so she, anyway. She's sorry. She's gonna have she's to get to the stadium. To she's trying to basically get back to a child. And there's other, obviously other characters that you meet along the way. Yeah. Now what happens here is you've got loads of little. You've got like about three chapters in each each episode. So in each episode, and it comes up. It goes like alone, the cafe, you know, or the, yeah, the diner. Yeah. Um, you know, the school. So you've got these different so chapters, really little, little chapters in each episode. So, yeah. You know, which comes up the little title, and it's all different people and different things happening. You know, as I say, the diner you can imagine. There's you know three people saying, oh, well, you know. Um, so all through it's this way, and, and you get these odd fast zombies, and and then you know we we're going to have to find, get some weapons. You know, how we going to get some weapons? And it gradually progresses. They go for all these different. They go into a school, they go into a factory. So, so does, does every episode follow this woman as she's trying to find her child? Not all the time, it follows different people. But the, okay, the, cool. the basic premise is this woman, she's like the, the, the linchpin that you meet. So all these things that happened in the previous series, eventually the people, the characters in each of these episodes, they towards the end, they together. all sort of come together through different, all right. different paths. So they all, so like, as I say, you've got the loner, this guy. There's a lot of running in this. There's <laughs> lots and lots of I people. I would imagine with and, fast zombies, you would, you would have to. And yeah, there's one episode alone. It's just basically this, this um, guy who's on his own and he's being chased by this one particular zombie, you know, and he sort of he manages to what he thinks is escape in a supermarket like that. And he's like, oh, well, you know, and then the zombie comes in and he's like <laughs> looking for him and stuff. So, you know, they sort of, they're, they're like hunter zombies, if you will. Okay. Oh yeah. So, it reminds me of Zombieland when you say that. You know, first of all, like Zombieland, Zombieland. <laughs> cardio. Cardio. Yeah. When you said that, oh, I was, yeah, I was thinking, that, I was thinking cardio as well. That's the best. The best. Um. Yeah. They need a lot of cardio in this. That, that's that's the best part of Zombieland. I'm not a major <laughs> fan of Zombieland. I like, but I do like the the, the double taps. And the double oh yeah, 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 yeah. Always yeah. double tap. But so yeah, so so this sort of happens and yeah, I I don't know. It's sort of 
it was very much hit and miss. There were some some bits which I really really liked, and there were the bits which didn't really particularly yeah, enjoy. It's, it sounds and, like and it's some bits that annoyed me. <laughs> well, yeah. because of, because of logic issues. Because of yeah, well, there's the, we should have know, a section of this show where yeah. we go Sean's logic Sean's issue of logic the week. Issues, yeah. <laughs> uh, Movie not, not logic. So much logic. Like issues, but there's like the, I'll tell you one of the episodes which takes place in the school, and there's some some real nasty, nasty kids. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And you've got some of the groups got together, so you've got the, the woman and you've got the soldier, and it's like he just wants to say, you know, just, just get rid of these kids because they're not particularly nice. And she's like, no, 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 don't, yeah. no, don't, regard, regard, no, any joke, blah, 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 blah. And of course, you know, fate mistake. And I'm like, no, you wouldn't oh. in a situation like oh, that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. In a yeah. situation like that. Yeah, it's where's life give, of death. Give him the gun, give him the gun, give him the gun. No, don't give him the gun, boy. Okay, so so with this, with this, you're going through like all these different bits, and so it's it sounds like it 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 sounds like it has a little bit of an, an anthology feel to it. Like you know, we're yeah. talking about love, death, and robots, where robots. each one is kind of a little bit yeah. separate, but it, it sounds like yeah. this sort of mixes an overarching story with this sort of we're going to tell you a story about this person, we're going to tell you a story about this person, Very and much. now we're going to do a zombie chase movie, yeah. and now we're going to do like you know uh, a siege movie, or now we're going to. Yeah. All right, cool. So, so, so overall, what do you think about it? <laughs> okay, well, as I say, I, uh, I mean, it had it, there were moments I enjoyed, there were moments that I didn't. There were, you know, moments I think, oh yeah, that's really good, and moments I didn't. And it's not particularly loads of action. I think yeah. it was done very, very cheaply. Okay. It's the same because the locations are very much. There's like three, which I'm pretty sure they've tried <laughs> to make look. I'm pretty different. sure they might. Yeah. And. As I say, there's there's so much running in it. There's so much running. In it. Could right. you compare it to Walking Dead or Fear no. the Walking Dead? No, it's, no, it's a different, different, totally different, um, totally different. Not of the same scale. Not of the scale. same. Not the same scale. No. I mean, as I say, there is a lot of running. There's a lot of running. I mean, there's some good characters. So is in it there. more like a 28 Days Later type? Vibe? Not even like a 28 no, okay. Days Later. Not, not like a I Kingdom. Would say it's a bit like probably if you could cross it. Let's have a look. What zombie films could you cross this with? Probably you could cross it. Well, all of them, all of them are sort of in there because it's a bit of a supermarket. Train so to Busan. They've got the, train, the, the, the not, not half as good as Any of the Romero-esque type? I would not say Romero-esque okay. at all, no, because the, the zombies are just really, really <laughs> we're fast. We're, we're, trying, we're trying. Okay, cool. Trying so, okay, so okay. below all of those. Yeah. <laughs> below okay. all of those. So think uh, a zombie movie and then just well, carve I, it. Well, I have to say just, yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, um, because for the few episodes that I did enjoy, mm -hmm. I thought there was too much running around and there was two episodes in particular which I thought, Oh, yeah. No, these don't work. How would you do it? Especially the bit where they, where they, they go for weapons. Um, okay. I was just like, nah. So anyway, so but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really, <laughs> I'm struggling with this one. I, I, I would like to say. I think I'm gonna have to say a three. Just purely three. All right, just three. Give, give, give three. Yeah. Three I'm, being nice. Three, so yeah, That's being Sean nice. being nice. Yeah. Okay, but um, uh, how many episodes are there? Um, I think there's eight. Eight. All right. So it's compact. Yeah. All right, and so, and now we round this all off with Star Trek Discovery yeah. Season 2. Season now, 2, this is finished. This is something that I have a friend, I have a friend who has been watching it, and he keeps going, have you watched it, have you watched it? And I've been like, no, I'm waiting until it's finished so I can watch the whole thing in I, one I, go. I, I, I haven't watched the whole thing, I've watched about the first four. Okay. Yeah, it's, a, it's the latest Star Trek incarnation because we never reviewed Star Trek Discovery season one. No, we didn't. We didn't no. do that. Yeah. So basically, it's the latest incarnation, and it's set between the original series and Enterprise. You know, which was like the prequel almost. Yeah, yeah. With, with Scott Bakula and all that lot. Yeah. So it's set between those, 
And the first season very much deals with a Klingon war. Yep. And an incident in the first episode sparks a Klingon war, and the consequence of that, it ripples through the whole season. And the, the principal character is a human female, but she was raised by Vulcans, and, she, and namely, she was raised by, she was raised as the half-sister or stepsister of Spock, Mr. Yep. Spock. So she was raised by his mother and father as... As a Vulcan, essentially. As a Vulcan, effectively. Yeah. So she's human with Vulcan characteristics and personality and traits. Um, but her family were killed by a Klingon raiding party um, on their sort of base where they were scientists studying yeah. a supernova. So the first season deals with the sort of Klingon war and that's after effects. And they find out that there's a parallel universe yeah. where yeah. everyone who exists in the universe that we know also exists in the other universe. And some similar things happen to them and they sort of interact with the same people, but they are different. Mm -hmm. And some people have crossed over between the two universes, which adds complications to <laughs> things. But that's the first season. So yep. this is the second season. It's where we've moved on from that. And Michael, her name is Michael. Yeah. And she is um, an, a commissioned officer on well, dis USS Discovery. Discovery, which is this new experimental ship. An experimental uh, ship that uses like a spore drive, yep. which is like this micro... It's organism type thing that can transcend space yeah, and time. It, yeah, in, yeah, essentially pretty much the, the spore drive is you can teleport an entire ship. ship. This, yeah. this, you see, this was what, with, with the first few episodes, that's what I had issues with. Because of the time frame that it was taken in, I just thought that that was yeah. far, far, far too it was too advanced for that well, time. Well, yeah, the, the, and you the, can't understand why if this was such a super duper ship, it was never referred to in any of the other Star Trek. Yeah. But that is explained in this season why we don't know about it. Well, we don't oh, know okay, about cool. because, oh, right, okay. because 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 a problem I always had with Discovery was that it's kind of like um, when you have uh, like when you had Star Star Wars Rogue One. Yeah. When you had Rogue One, you kind of knew. Well, you knew at the end of the film, all these people are going to have to die because yes. we've never heard about them anywhere else. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like, and especially uh, because it rolls it rolls exactly into the first Star Wars movie. You're going to be yeah. like. They would have, if these people were the yeah. heroes, they would have mentioned them. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah. You, you kind of knew, okay, they're all going to have to die. Because that's at so the back of your mind the whole time you watch it, thinking, why have we never heard of this? Why does yeah. Spock ever talk about his sister? Yeah. And why don't, why don't they have holographic messages anymore? Well, the, the thing is, this is what they have, is like, have like, instead of having just this on the screen, your little box, like your FaceTime, they have holographic me that's a, a, a yeah. beamed into your private quarters and are thinking, why is there this technology that hasn't existed in the universe? Yeah. yeah. But by the end of the season, that is explained. Season I just, I just, season two. No, oh, season I, two. I just, I just figured that. Uh, essentially, I'm like, okay, this spore drive <coughs> is going to have to be destroyed, yeah. which means that nobody is going to have to know about it afterwards. So essentially, I have, I don't have much hope for this for for the spore drive. Well, I think it's going to set. I think season three is going to be interesting because it's a completely different. I think it's going to take us into strange new worlds. Okay. And galaxies that we haven't seen before. Yep, yeah, because... Maybe species... I'm not going to use a split infinitive, but we may go somewhere. Maybe species 1879, where it's <laughs> the <laughs> fluidic universe. I mean, that's well, no. Voyager one. Not Voyager, um, yeah, Voyager. But, well, the thing about the thing about it is that I know that the, the the first I've seen the first season. The first season ends pretty much with Discovery 
meeting the Enterprise. Yes, and you meet uh, Captain Pike. You meet Captain Pike, who is the original, who is actually, he's the original captain of the Enterprise before Kirk. Yeah, because yes. there's, the, well, there is actually in the original Star the Trek, there's an episode, yeah, the, yeah, the bird cage, I think. There's also the quarter cage. That's one of them where he's actually in it. That's yeah. reference, you see clips of that in part in season two. Do you? Yeah, yeah because you, you hear part of his yeah. story. Yeah. So, oh, okay. so, so, I, I'm, I'm because they had problems with doing a pre, uh, prequel too, because obviously nowadays the technology is so much better. So you can make yeah. it. So you can make this show look way better than the original Star Trek ever That's looked. That's right. And the uniforms, because the uniforms are that bit sharper and something. Yeah. When they have like old school uniforms, you're thinking, you have not got the same tailor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but but then again, Star Trek so does. So they tweaked. They have tweaked with a lot of things. Yeah, but Star Trek loves playing with its parallel universes yeah. and it's different timelines yeah, and all that kind of stuff so they, they can always come up with some doohickey thingamajigger yeah. and be like yeah guess what that's why everything is different so there's the, the big the big sort of mystery in season two is this thing called the red angel there's this sort of spatial there's these spatial weird things happen where this red angel appears and that happens throughout this other and the um, discovery goes to each where each sight of this sort of red angel appearances and they're trying to work it all out and basically these are like crumbs that lead us down the rabbit hole that is what is oh. at the end of the, the season finale oh. so i think you just have to persevere with it to get to the end and then you'll go oh and a lot of things actually that we'd be thinking i don't understand why no one's actually ever mentioned any of these things before mm. it actually they do have an answer for it Oh. at the end of season two so i think you have to persevere to more or less the very last episode oh, okay so and this is one is of the much action in it is there much in the way of like confrontation oh. and shooting and battles not and so things? much as in the as if when it was in the klingon war oh. but you do there is conflict there is fighty blowy yucky things is that oh cool and, <laughs> and do, is, do you see any yeah. other races like romulans again you don't meet the romulans what, have you seen all of season one or just the first four episodes just about the first four episodes oh of season one yeah of season oh one. oh yeah so, yeah. so okay. i mean that's why i can't count because yeah. I, I, I did start to like it and then gradually i was thinking yeah I, I, well, I, I, I think you do meet some classic star trek original yeah. series aliens you meet right. a couple of those through this and then there's one intriguing he's called saru He's quite. Oh, he's a yeah. long, lanky. Yeah, you do yeah. His, you go to his planet. Played, played by Doug Jones. He's good. Yeah. He's and good. so they are. There's some good. Well, it, weirdy things. And also, it's, it's the first Star Trek series that seems to actually follow like a sort of like it's an overarching story. Yeah. Because usually it's quite episodic. Like they have, it's yes. ad, it's adventure of the week, adventure of the week. Yes. And, and I think Discovery it's seems to be the first. away from that. It's definitely much more of a story arc. Yeah. Rather than, yeah, Alien of the Week. Yeah. Weird head thing of the week. Yeah. Oh, there's another. There's another actor with a weird mask on. With a weird thingy sticking out. They say they still look human, but there's just a extra okay. ear or something. All right, but all in all, what would you say about this? I would say it's. Yeah, I don't think it's as gripping as it wants it to be. So I would give it a three, but it's got potential, I think, to do good things in the future. I'm looking forward to the next season because I think there's potential in the way it ended. Yeah. To sort. Of to explore strange True. new galaxies and to do, you know, All other right. things without and a split infinitive. <laughs> and if you were, um, if you were going to compare it season one to season two, what would you say? Would you say season two upped it from season one, or it was kind of like a letdown from season one, or? No, I think the, I think it has been upping its game, and I think it's been looking at the, the you know, the, it has been answering. It's been looking at okay, these are the questions that we need to answer, and it's set about trying to answer them. Yeah. All right. So. Okay. Yes. It's oh, worth cool. persevering. Okay, so I think, think it's worth persevering. Because right I just got, the towards the first few I saw, I thought, I, I liked the first episode and probably the second. 
because um, I, I remember with the, yeah. the Klingons they're on that thing aren't they? oh yeah yeah, and, yeah I, think, I mean Anson Mount does do Captain Pike very well yeah. and yeah so there are some yeah some, some uh, things you can think, yeah you've done you've done honour to the previous incarnations but you've made it your own uh, so I, was, I think it works yeah I was happy for Anson Mount because before that the most hyperbole thing he'd done was the Inhumans yes. and that was that, that died a death he was so, very good in Hell on Wheels never saw that I, I, that, that I, was again excellent. I watched a couple of series of that but if you played the Swede in the Hell on Wheels, when Hell on Wheels, that's what, um, you know, the duck, the Swede, but he was funny, he was the one in that, and because I've watched a few of I those. I can't remember his name, yes, I can't remember his name, I mean? but that was, that was okay Christ to start with. I think it's Christopher Heyerdahl. Oh, well, yeah, but I think they can sometimes go on a bit too Yeah, you should have died yeah. two seasons sooner. Yeah, and it should have been like one season. All right, cool, I never, never even heard of that show. Oh, right, so all that's left now is to say who has won this week. And now, so between, between this, the winner this week is, can I have a drum roll please? Ooh, that's a drum thunder. Ooh, thunder. For <laughs> uh, yeah. a very short margin, Netflix. Ooh. Really? Yeah, really? but a uh, 0.3. 0.3. I mean, did we, was there more Netflix than there was? There was, there was, there was more so Netflix. I have to admit, there were, there were, there, we did five Netflix this week and we did four cinema. Four cinema. And up until we spoke about the final Netflix thing, cinema was ahead. So if, there, if we'd only allowed four, if we'd strictly done it four, it would have been cinema. So, so it's kind of a draw this yeah. week. It's kind of a draw this week. Which, Which uh, is what? Yeah. Good. But I mean, but to be honest with you, it's a good week because nothing we saw this week went lower than a three. No, no, no I didn't hate anything. Yeah, yeah, we didn't hate anything. Yeah, although I have to admit, Greta, Greta was close. <laughs> Greta was yeah, on the yeah, bubble. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's it's a highly highly histrionic film. I mean, if, if you guys get if you guys see it, I'd love to know what you guys thought about it because, as I said, I did not enjoy watching it. <laughs> right, cool. Anyway, uh, that's all from us here from the Isle of Wight. We will be back. I'll be back in the Midlands next week. You guys will be back in a room. There'll be less. 80s hits playing in the background sure, sure. <laughs> and that will be a time when we would all have seen well two of us at least would have seen yes, Avengers I'm Endgame. Yes I'm anticipating Endgame yeah I yep. will see it. Yes so by that time I mean we will probably have seen it we would have recovered we might have seen it again we would either be filled with rage or squeen with oh my god it was, it was worth all of these years of sticking it out yes i'm expecting that next week cinema should win but, <laughs> but wow, we'll have to wait and see only, only because i don't expect anything else to be released in no. the cinema <laughs> oh it'd be like a it'd be like yeah tumbleweed running through the cinema on the way in. yeah it'll be like las vegas like there's just desert and there's just this big thing in the middle of the desert just going yes look at me but this is going to be good i'm looking forward I actually find it funny how it, everything that's been said about Avengers Endgame, nobody's really spoken about Thanos that much. No, <laughs> no one has said anything about Thanos. It's like you could always, you must, oh, you could almost forget that Josh Brolin is in this film. But looking forward to see it. Yeah. Right. Until, until then, all there's, the others left to say is goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. We will see you all next week. Thank you for listening. <laughs>